The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 133 A Good Start Ends Badly Queen Athaliah climbed down from her royal coach and stomped into the temple. What's going on here? She shouted amid all the celebration. However, she was ignored. Not waiting for her royal guard to catch up, she marched toward the altar to see what all the music and commotion was about. Suddenly, she began to realize what was taking place, and emotion quickly welled up within her. She saw a young man with a crown on his head standing by the pillar stone that was used for the coronation of new monarchs. Treason! Treason! This is treason! Athaliah shouted hysterically, Who is responsible for this? I will have him executed! Suddenly, Athaliah realized she was surrounded by unfriendly faces and her guards were nowhere to be seen. The room fell silent. She had everyone's attention. This is Jehoash! Jehoiada, the high priest said as he stepped forward to confront the angry woman. You tried to kill him years ago, but you failed. He is the rightful king of Judah. Now bow to your king. Athaliah exploded with rage, uttering threats and insults. When she saw that her words had little effect, she lost her temper completely. She began tearing her clothes, ripping her royal robes to shreds. Take this woman away! Jehoiada ordered. She must be put to death for her crimes, but do not spill any blood in the temple. Don't let anyone stop you. If anyone tries, kill them if you must. Athaliah was surrounded. So many hands grabbed her that she couldn't resist, but that didn't mean she couldn't yell. Help! Help! She cried. Someone, call my army! But it was too late. Her royal guards were overwhelmed and could tell from the presence of so many leaders that there would be no support for the evil queen. They stood in silence. Athaliah was dragged all the way back to the servants' entrance of the palace. Their horses and mules picked up and delivered supplies. There, she was executed. After the queen's shouts could no longer be heard, Jehoiada reminded the people of the covenant their forefathers had made with God long ago. He encouraged them to seek after God and loyally serve him and their new king. With enthusiasm running high for the new king, one of the people in the crowd started shouting, Down with Baal! Down with Baal! Soon, a mob of men filled with righteous indignation and remembering all their abuses by the scheming priests of Baal 
were marching down the city street toward the pagan temple. Matan, the high priest of Baal, was used to people fearing him and doing what he said. When he heard a mob outside the gates of the pagan temple, he became irate. He began to open the doors while shouting in an authoritative voice, What's going on here? Lifting his gaze so the offenders could see who was talking to them, Matan came face to face with a crowd that wasn't going to back down. Get out of our way! The leader of the crowd shouted as he pushed his way into the temple. Destroy the idols! Don't leave anything unbroken! How dare you! blustered Matan, but the crowd couldn't be stopped. May Baal cause you great suffering and death to the 100th generation! Matan shouted. Plagues, leprosy, boils, lice be upon you! But his words had no effect. Suddenly, an enormous crash filled the air and shards of flying gold-painted clay stung the back of Matan's neck. He turned to see a great pile of debris covering the altar where the temple's giant veiled statue once stood. No! He cried. All around him, people were breaking and smashing idols, desecrating the temple's sacred items, and gasping in awe and amazement at all the treasure and wealth stored within its walls. These golden vessels were stolen from God's temple, shouted one man. So were these things over here, exclaimed another. Thieves, thieves, chanted the crowd. The priests of Baal ran for cover. Amid the destruction of his temple, Matan didn't even hear the soldiers marching into the building. By the time he saw them, it was too late to run. Matan and all his priests were led away and executed. Jehoiada's soldiers did not stop until they had utterly destroyed the temple. Every wall was pulled down, and the building was reduced to a mighty mountain of broken stone and busted timbers. The revolution had begun. Baal worship was abolished. A new king reigned. During Ahaziah's and Athaliah's rule, Worship at the temple that Solomon built had fallen away. Now, at Jehoiada's direction, people began to return. Jehoiada appointed more priests to accommodate the influx. He organized a royal guard for Jehoash. Then, in front of all the people and all the nobles, Jehoash was paraded from the temple through the streets of Jerusalem to the palace, where he was to rule for 40 years. Under the direction of Jehoiada, the high priest, who was like a father to him, Jehoash grew up to be a capable king who was loved by his people. He followed God for most of his life. As long as Jehoiada was alive, he made mostly good decisions. However, Jehoash had one failing. He did not completely abolish idol worship from the land. He knowingly allowed pockets of it to survive. Outside of Jerusalem especially, he did not destroy all the high places where people offered pagan sacrifices and worshipped strange gods. Despite the fact that Jehoash did not completely root out pagan worship, he did have a zeal for repairing the temple of God. He wanted it restored to its former glory. He wanted it to inspire the people. To pay for it and to make its restoration a national project, Jehoash commanded the Levites and priests to send out special emissaries to all the cities of Judah. 
They were to explain to the people why the temple needed to be restored and educate them on the great importance of the temple. Jehoash hoped the result would be similar to when King David and King Solomon prepared for and built the temple, and when the Israelites in the wilderness built the tabernacle. On those occasions, the people were so excited to be part of a building project for God that they gave to the point that the leaders had to tell them to stop. Those were great days in Israel's history, and Jehoash wanted to revive them. Jehoash reminded them that God had instructed Moses to send ministers throughout the land to collect offerings for the building fund. When the Levites and priests went to the cities with Jehoash's message, however, they were met with little excitement. Even the priests did not put in as much effort into pitching the plan as they should have. Little money was collected. Eventually, the building project was neglected and all but forgotten. Even Jehoiada, who was a righteous priest otherwise, was lacking in this regard. Perhaps he felt awkward about asking for money and did not want to be seen in the same light as the greedy priests of Baal. As is often the case with human nature, the lack of initial success caused excitement to dwindle. People gave up and moved on to other things. A long time later, after Jehoash noticed that little progress had been made restoring the temple, he went to Jehoiada and asked him about it. Although King Jehoash was disappointed, he did not lose faith. He instructed the elderly priest to secure a large wooden chest at the gate of the temple where the people came in by the right-hand side of the altar. In the lid of the chest, a hole was drilled so that people could drop in gold and silver coins as offerings when they came to worship. Then he sent a strong-worded proclamation throughout the country, telling the people what the chest was for and how the money would be used. This time, the reaction of the people was different. After a few days, the wooden chest was taken from its place at the gate and brought before the king to be opened. To the surprise of all, it was filled to the brim with shiny silver, gold, and bronze coins. Jehoash was overjoyed at the generosity of the people. Each day, the chest was placed at the altar, and each evening it had to be emptied. Soon, enough money had been collected for the temple repairs to begin. Skilled carpenters, metalsmiths, masons, and other exceptional workmen began pouring into the city to refurbish the temple. Much food also had to be bought to feed all the laborers and animals required to transport and install the heavy stone blocks and massive beams of timber. Rich tapestries needed to be woven. Ornate metal decorations were fashioned. Musical instruments were repaired and manufactured. After the building itself was finished, so much money was left over that Jehoiada was able to make new golden bowls and other utensils for the worship service. With the temple finished, more and more people came to worship. The temple caused Jerusalem to blossom with life. It was a time of blessings and great prosperity for all the people. What a difference the right kind of leadership, starting with the king's example and filtering down to the priests, honest tradesmen, and the rest of the people can make. 
For many years, the people of Judah were more prosperous than they had been at any time since righteous King Jehoshaphat. Then Jehoiada the high priest died at the old age of 130. Long life is a blessing from God and is evidence that God was pleased with this exceptional individual. For many years, this high priest effectively acted as the ruler of Judah while Joash was still a young boy. He was thought of so highly that he was buried in the part of Jerusalem called the City of David, alongside the previous kings of Judah. The high priest's death was a turning point for Judah. With Jehoiada gone, certain leaders of the people felt confident enough to ask the king for a special request. One day, a group of princes arrived in Jerusalem, bearing gifts for the king and asking to build alternative places of worship throughout Judah. For a time, Jehoash resisted these requests, but he did not put them down forcefully. The request became more frequent, and Jehoash did not like being an unpopular king. Eventually, he reasoned around God's law and what was right, and allowed these new places of worship to be set up. God's law specifically outlawed making sacrifices and offerings at any place other than the temple. At first, people were hesitant to worship at the new altars. Many remembered what had happened to the pagan priests and worshippers of Baal that had been cleansed from the land early in Jehoash's reign. But eventually, more and more people succumbed to the greater convenience of the shorter trips. And eventually, the leaders who were really just interested in increasing their own power began to turn the people further and further from God, until many people were once again praying to and worshipping idols again, even Baal. God was angered by the new direction Jehoash was leading Judah. He sent many prophets to warn the king, but Jehoash would not listen. Instead, he hardened his heart and became insecure and bitter. Eventually, God stirred up the heart of Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. Zechariah was a well-regarded priest in the temple who helped administer the temple functions. He condemned the nation's sins. Oh, why will our people never learn, lamented Zechariah. From top to bottom, our nation is corrupting itself by allowing people to worship idols of wood and stone. God will not be mocked. You can't fool God. He knows what is happening. He sees our sins, and he has said in the scriptures that curses will come. And unless we immediately repent, they are coming soon. Because people have forsaken God, he will forsake them. You can already see it happening. This nation is being cursed. Jehoash was furious when he heard Zechariah's sermon. How dare that man speak against me like that, he ranted. That's treason, and the penalty for treason is death. Even though it was Zachariah's parents who had saved the young Jehoash from being murdered, 
And even though Jehoiada had been a loving father figure and loyal counselor to the king, all this was forgotten in Jehoash's rage. The king was getting further and further from God. He conspired with his new younger counselors. Have a group of protesters show up at Zachariah's next sermon, he told his servants. Then when the loud mouth goes on stage, let him begin speaking. Then stone him. Zachariah must die. But make the protest look spontaneous. People must be made to think that this is justice from God. On the next Sabbath, the murderers carried out their plan. Zachariah was pelted with rocks. Many missed, but before the temple priests could restore order, one rock struck home. Zachariah was carried indoors. His last words were, God saw what happened. He will take care of it. Vengeance is his. It was both a statement of fact and a prophecy. As Jehoash began to lead Judah to worship false gods, the nation of Israel to the north was already being punished for its idolatry. King Hazael, the Aramean king of Syria, had subjugated much of the northern kingdom. After the death of Israel's king Jehu, who was unable to protect his people from their Syrian overlords, Jehoaz became the new king over the ten tribes. At first, Jehoaz did evil just like his father Jehu. He too worshipped the golden calves and allowed pagan places of worship to flourish. By the time Jehoaz became king, all the territory of Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben, which was located on the east side of the Jordan River, had been lost. Now the Syrians were marching with increasing boldness throughout the land of Israel. Jehoaz's army was smashed and demoralized. It seemed like there was no hope for the nation. It was at this point of desperation that Jehoaz appealed to God for help. God heard Jehoaz's cry, but since Jehoaz did not really repent or turn from idolatry, God did not deliver Israel in his lifetime. This was a low point for the nation. So many Israelites had been killed that Jehoahaz's army consisted of only 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. It was a pathetic force hardly worthy of Syrian attention. For the time being, the Syrians left the ravaged nation of Israel looking for richer targets. They headed south. Messengers began pouring into Jerusalem. King Hazael has smashed the army of Israel. They are plundering the city of Gath. 20,000 horsemen have turned south toward Judah. Syrian foot soldiers are 20 miles from Jerusalem. The noise of their chariots sounds like thunder. They shake the very ground. Our reinforcements won't get here on time. We need more supplies brought into the city. The reports were overwhelming. King Jehoash of Judah had hoped that the Israelites would have put up a better fight, but it appeared that the whole might of Syria was headed his way. I am too young to die, thought Jehoash. We can't defeat these Syrians. What should I do?
to be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church. Thank you.